to the OD Cast on the weekly about succession So many pots per week C P to the OD Cast on the weekly about succession Podcasting like a pro Make some noise Succession Season 4, Episode 5, Kill List is over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. That's right, it's the Succession Podcast and Post Show Recaps. We're breaking down the HBO show's final season, episode by episode, and podcast by podcast. You can get commercial-free versions of the Succession Podcast when you sign up at patreon.com slash postshowrecaps at any level. That's patreon.com slash postshowrecaps at any level for ad-free versions of the Succession Podcast. I'm Grace Leader, and today we are discussing Succession Season 4, Episode 5, Kill List. And I'm joined here by my co-host, we're three-quarters of the Quad Squad. It's Jess Sterling and Mike Bloom. Jess, how you doing? Oh my gosh, so much is going on. I, um, I'm full of my blood, though. I'm sorry I didn't bring any for you all. I've kept it inside of my body for this I podcast. have many liters of blood, because my name is Grace <laughs> Grace, no Grace half leaders. We got full leaders happening. Yes, I am so excited to be here. Uh, I suppose I am the cousin Greg of this like very weak square. Uh, and shout outs to everybody who is listening to this podcast on their noise canceling headphones while they're doing whatever they might want to be doing behind closed doors. We don't judge you. That's right. Um, Mike, I do see to tell you your earlobes are thick and chewy like Barnacomi. I don't know how I know that. But they are. It's the headphones. Uh, I know they are a little flesh colored, but yeah, that's these aren't my. Is that my what? True... No. Is that what happens when we we wear noise canceling headphones? Is that our earlobes become? They become thick and chewy, like barnacles. There was, there was a non-zero chance that we were going to go full midsummer by the end of this, right? Like we're in yeah. Scandinavia, we're up on the mountains, blood is in the water. Tom may want to eat Shiv. You know, when Shiv says, do you want to go get dinner? Maybe that means that she's going to eat him once the plane lands. I'm not entirely sure. What a wild episode of a wild show. I, I love that you made this point before, Grace, that like the mid-season is usually like, oh, this is the big event that we're building to. And this time was no different, yet also incredibly different. <laughs> Yeah, um, we'll we'll get into it. Uh, Josh Wiggler not with us. He tells us he's not in Norway. He's not in Paris, obviously either. Uh, shout out to uh, the wonderful Miss Davis. As I watched the first episode today, it was delay. Um, but uh, we'll chat through Kill List, which I thought was a very action packed episode. It has sort of a return to everything we want, which is like beautiful set pieces. Uh, the simple, like you know, negotiating, figuring out, and it was very funny as well. So we'll we'll get into it. Just to give a quick programming shout out for the week, of course, make sure you join us live on YouTube every week on postshowrecaps.com slash YouTube. Give us your feedback. We'll get into it at the end of the podcast. There'll be uh, a deep dive tomorrow with uh, myself, Dr. Amanda, as well. We'll be joined by the wonderful Lindsay Wilson tomorrow. Ooh, so very exciting. Yes. There'll be a versus podcast this week with Latanya and Jess. You'll be joining Latanya to break down Yellow Jackets in I Succession. Will. Yes. My two faves. I get to break down both of them in one podcast. I might explode with excitement. Do you so. think they accidentally stole a line from Yellow Jackets talking about someone's big chewy earlobe? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Honestly, there's too yeah. much crossover. It's beginning to scare me. <laughs> yes. Agreed. Uh, yeah, leaders of blood. Also, I would have put on my bingo card is more likely to come from yellow jackets. Yeah, well, this should be session. a really fun BuzzFeed quiz by the end. Yeah, speaking of yellow jackets, <laughs> yeah. like was this line from the last season of Succession or Yellow <laughs> that's, Jackets? That's good. Perfect. It's very good. 
Um, I'm going to be joining the wonderful Rob Sesternino this week Woo. for some typical Rob and Josh shenanigans. I'll do my best Josh Wiggler impression. Um, I think that means I have to sing on that podcast. <laughs> you also have to say you like pizza. Just like every, pizza. every once in a while. Yeah, the, the Josh Wiggler right. impression is like, pizza, pizza. That's <laughs> how you do a Josh Wiggler impression. Well, somebody Josh? Cut that, I thought please. Josh was here for a second. Yeah. yeah. 24 uh, pizza. Uh, and Jess, you'll be back uh, uh, helming the uh, the wrap up yeah, show on Fridays. Postrecaps.com slash YouTube. Yeah, I'm yeah. really excited. There, I'm gonna. This is one of those. Ep- I'm gonna have to watch this a lot. I'm gonna have to watch mm-hmm. this episode a lot of times because there's a lot of businessy stuff happening. There's a lot of mm-hmm. moves being made. There's a lot of pressure points being pushed that I, I need to rewatch this episode to see all the chess moves play out. I believe someone in the Discord was like, I really like that they were just like, 144 is the number. And it's just like, it's like, a below bad, above good is the most businessy yes. you kind of need to, which is actually not true because by the end of it, it's like 192, which is ATN. You're like, I don't know the math, but that's fine. They we'll figure it out by Friday. Wrote it, they wrote it on a whiteboard. To yeah. be like, this is the number we're going for. Yeah. And then they also wrote moron, which is how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> all of that yeah so get all of that and more at postyourrecaps.com slash subscribe as long as you can also subscribe to all the other wonderful content we are there's a lot of shows happening right now a, i told josh a few weeks ago that movies are really movie right now and i feel like tvs are very tv at the moment as well and then he replied pizza pizza. <laughs> <laughs> all right let me try and give a quick plot recap. Uh, typically, Josh helms this. We tried to do, I tried to do it in about seven minutes, so fair, you know, bear with me. But the quick plot recap. Season four, episode five, Kill It. It's their first day as co-CEOs, and Roman and Kendall, of course, headed to Norway. Along with all the other members of the board, the EVPs, and the division heads, per the request of one Lucas Matson. Essentially, they want anything above 144. That is a great the top rests head to the mountaintop to negotiate while the remaining Waystar staff do their best to try and schmooze it up with the Gojo staff, hoping to remain off the kill list. Madsen decides he wants to bro it out just with Kendall and Roman, leaving the old guard as well as Shiv out of the negotiating room. The deal's good, but he would like to re, uh, reacquire ATN. Roman isn't so sure, but Kendall thinks that it's interesting that they should take the deal entirely and tank the deal entirely, sorry, and keep running the show. After a late-night business session with Shiv, Matson learns if he just offers more money, he can get the deal done. Shiv also learns that Matson has sent his ex-girlfriend and also comms director liters and liters of his blood as a cool joke. Roman and Kendall try to sabotage the deal, needing to make sure Matson walks away. Roman finally breaks down the mountaintop and tells Matson he hates him and that they're not selling. On the played ride home, Matson surprisingly offers one final deal, 192 for all of it, including ATN. Everyone on the plane celebrates, well, except for Roman and Kendall, who are upset that the deal is done, and Hugo, Mark, Ray, Frank, not really Carl, who all find out they're on That is season four, episode five, Kill List. Um, where to begin, Jess? It's a lot that's happening. I feel like the siblings are potentially the big yeah. the headline here. And in fact, as Succession loves to do, end an episode with someone kind of grinning, a slight grin. Yeah. This time, it's Shiv. It is Shiv. Shiv ends out uh, ends up on top, which is nice because uh, she's been losing a lot recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and this episode, it doesn't take but all but five seconds for her to be left out of something. She's left out of the meeting, which we see so many times this episode. Roman jumps in and says, "Hey, you want you want to rope Shiv in? You want to pull mm-hmm. Shiv in?" As they promised 
But of course, he's the only one who seems to care. Frank can't even bother to CC Shiv on a freaking email. And so to see Shiv kind of take the ball and run with it, I was really, really happy to see. But on the other hand, Mike, I was also a little bit devastated that the siblings can't even keep it together for like three days after their dad dies. I mean, no amount of reverie can truly last in succession. So much of it is fleeting. I think the only constant we have had across four seasons is like their vast amounts of wealth as kendall will say later right like it's <laughs> yeah it's about money but yeah. again i always say about hey, succession it's it's I'm never about the money. rich i'm already yeah. i'm already rich bro <laughs> yeah exactly but i so many bros and dudes being thrown around this episode also very season one kendall that's been complete with starting with him listening to that hardcore rap though this time he yeah. doesn't have his headphones on his poor driver has to listen to like jay-z but i love seeing this return to form with kendall because what was such a, a fantastic, you know, twist and turn over the course of this episode was the final words that Logan Roy left to at least Shiv and Kendall, right? Which is like, I love you, but you're stupid people. And throughout the episode, I think we were all kind of in that boat, right? Between Kendall and Roman trying to be the worst version of Bialystok and Bloom that I have ever seen. And like, okay, we're going to purposely tank the deal by showing him our really bad movie so he doesn't want to go through with the deal only to immediately get called out on it. And then after all this and Roman doing, honestly, I would probably say without hyperbole, the best thing he's ever done as a character and just like absolutely giving it to Matson and having one of the most real moments we have ever seen from this incredibly snarky character. Then it like ends up succeeding in a way to the point that both of you make and that like they didn't want this to happen yet they were somehow able to make a way like gangbusters for this it's it's a pretty amazing thing what this show does with our expectations and to that point with Shiv who has had a pretty dang terrible half of a season up until now now look I think the bad news is like a similar uh redhead in, from another HBO show back in the day, she is engaging in a problematic relationship with Alexander Skarsgård. Uh, <laughs> and I fear for Shiv moving forward, it seems like in the next time on, we're getting a bit of like an odd love triangle situation. She's sending him pictures already. They're not dick pics, but like she's sending him pictures. I mean, they, are hey, pictures they are pictures of dick. At least they're, uh, not, to be honest. These are not pictures of your dead dad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dead for funerals. DDPs. DDPs. Dead dad pics. Dead dad pics. DDPs. DDPs. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, I think it's really. I think. I think last week, Amanda and I, along with Matt Huff, who joined us on the on the deep dive, we spent a lot of time just going through the three of them, their motivation for everything at that point. And I feel like, you know, one thing that's really interesting is coming into this episode, the Kendall, um, his, uh, the sort of, um, you know, hit job on his dad in the press with Hugo and Carolyn doesn't, it comes up, but it is not, the, yeah. I, I was, I was expecting it to be more of Roman being really upset at Kendall. He's too busy to be upset. Thing. But He's no, they're, I mean, it is the next day. So to be, again, the way that this, this show is happening, it's the next day. Yeah, which, so, I, was, which I was confused about because like they're back at work in Waystar when they walk in. So right. was this on a Monday? So did Logan die on a Saturday? Well, okay, yeah. So uh, we actually have done the timeline on this that uh, I think if we backtrack, Connor's wedding was a Friday, I believe, because they're worried about the stock market closing. They want to wait till Monday. So Sunday? So, 
Saturday. So I guess this is probably Monday. I guess it's the day-to-day thing is probably actually not well, happening. Like well, there's time zones, too. Like God, yeah, like God, succession takes a rest on Sundays. Well, the other thing, too, is that they say when the markets reopened on Monday, uh, it right. jumped back up 10%. So I think that we're, like, I think that we're Monday, t- but the election is Tuesday, so it has to be. It has to be Monday because if the if the stock jump but the election is on Tuesday, so it has to be Monday. It's Monday, and they float, yeah. they fly to Norway. <laughs> Whatever. I think we have to be like. I think. Um. I think. Uh. uh Justice or um. The creator of the show was like, time is really hard when you're making a TV. Show. Yeah, so, it's too tough. It's fun. It's but the, yeah, but the thing is, it's very interesting that you said, Grace, because we were all expecting Roman to have this like very big reaction to all the bad dad press. Right. But it does seem like Roman is way too preoccupied with getting this deal done correctly. Uh, it's too stressed out he, about it. Him and Kendall have both been like working on it. Shiv is the only one who's like, hey, have you seen this? This is weird. Can we talk about this? And Kendall, of course, knows what's up, but he's very quick to brush her aside. It doesn't seem like Roman has the time or energy to like dedicate to that right now. He's way too busy focused on the Matson deal. Um, but yeah. Th- so I, I wanted to talk to you because I think that there's this interesting thing over the course of the show where Roman is, is the most, I think let's get the deal done. The deal mm-hmm. in which we carved out ATN. Yes. He keeps calling it dad's deal. The amount of times the dad's deal gets referenced. And I do think this would be a thing that I, you know, I think we could have predicted, but the, the amount of influence that like Logan Roy will have on the show, I think Josh talked about this on the wrap up show one week about like, you got to keep rating Logan Roy because he's still kind of on the show. Like mm-hmm. this whole thing, you know, Lucas Madsen keeps saying like, I, I much preferred your dad. He tells Shiv, you're a lot like your dad. I liked working with your dad. Now, this is like three to four days after he's died. And yes, Lucas is being awful, but the way he just continues to influence so much of what they're doing and even from a kendall point of view it's like what would dad do and he's like he does whatever he wanted so so let's do what we want mm-hmm. which is doesn't it feel good to run the company even though i feel like they've been running the company for like one two day days, two days maybe uh but that's yeah, what kendall was the honeymoon period yeah they haven't come down from their high to be the tom and shib-esque like oh wow what happens yeah. now yeah, so I think it's kind of interesting. The most that basically they all kind of want a different configuration. Obviously, by the end, Roman doesn't want to sell it all, but I feel like at the beginning he's like, "Let's do the deal that Dad wanted." Kendall's like, "Let's tank the deal," and Shiv is, "Let's do the deal." So it puts them, I think, all three of them in this really interesting yeah. plot as this episode plays out up and down the mountain uh, in Norway. <laughs> I do think there is a moment, and I could be wrong. And again, we just watched this, so like it does need a rewatch. But like, there is a moment when Matson says okay, but I want ATN and this is the number I'm looking for. And it's a big number. Mm-hmm. There is a look on Kendall's face when him and Roman make eye contact of Roman is very obviously like, this isn't dad's deal. I want ATN because dad wanted ATN very much securing Logan's legacy. Kendall has a look on his face. Like maybe, you know, maybe we'll take that full deal. But I think it's once Matson pushes him, Kendall is very obsessed with what, what would dad do in that I want to be dad and dad would tell this guy to F off. It doesn't take but two seconds into this episode and Kendall already says F off to someone Mm -hmm. like he is very much embodying Logan. We see it many times, Mike, uh, specifically when he's having this one on one conversation with Roman about tanking the deal. He says he's so manipulative where he says Madsen will destroy everything dad built, which is like exactly what you need to say to Roman to get him on board yep. is it's going to it's going to soil dad's legacy and then he even calls Shiv Pinky. Have we like ever heard 
any of the other characters use those Romulus pinky nicknames at no it just has no. not happened can he's pinky very much dance. Logan. and yeah, we know that he dance. can we know she, that she can oh yeah she, she gets it down well it's interesting <laughs> though i feel like there's a lot of callbacks to that too many birthdays episode considering that we go back too many to birthdays the, too much too, birthday. many, <laughs> too much birthday too many <laughs> this is from my alternate baron state that's universe. why logan died he's like i've had too many birthdays <laughs> uh, there's been too many birthdays the 80 plus is enough uh but the the conversation that roman has with matson Right, the peeing on the phone. Ironically enough, you know, another piss laden conversation yeah. is had at the mountaintop, but in a very different regard. But that's where Roman's going to bring up the like, yeah. So, how long do you think your dad has? And now that oh. conversation looks incredibly different now that that you know Logan's gone and that like this has actually happened. And now he's yeah. looking back on him with such acrimony after being the guy to try to get in close with Logan at the end of season three, right? To be like. I'm the one that can talk to Matson. Bring me in on this. Uh, and then he does get pushed out temporarily in the season three finale. But I think up to this point, he had been kind of considered the Matson whisperer. And now in this moment, he is screaming in his face. And I think it's such an interesting moment. I know you all have spoken about over the past week of like, yeah, Roman says pre-grieving is a great thing to do, but his breaking point is coming inevitably. I mean, not even from this past couple days, from these past few seasons. And I feel like this truly was that moment for him where he just delivers everything to Matson, uh, saying how much he hates him in that moment. I honestly feel like, interestingly enough, for a guy that's all about dad's legacy, this was kind of Roman taking on the Logan Roy details uh, that Kendall was trying to imbue of like, I don't even care if this is a business tactic. I'm just going to tell you to your face how much I hate you because I just need to get that off my chest right now and then walk away from it. Mountain deal be damned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that this, I, I really love the Roman scene. I, I, the, like him yelling at Madsen. I do think, I mean, we see that basically what Madsen does is, is use a form of, it's basically a bear hug deal. Um, and, and they, yeah. they call it out before they go up that they say, we have to make sure he walks away because if he ever thinks we're trying to sabotage the deal, he'll just go to the board and the board will have to approve it. Like the deal yeah. will, and I'll just make it a deal that's, and this is Madsen, like he'll just make it a good deal. Yeah. The boys are trying to play Scooby-Doo. Uh, they're Scooby Doo. Are you, you Scooby Dooing me? <laughs> well, because they're they're not yeah. subtle at all, right? Like no. it takes two seconds for Matson to realize what's going on. Even before Roman yells at him, they 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 make them watch this terrible movie, and then they tell him all about how terrible the movie is and how it's going to cost them a ton of money. He immediately knows what's up, and then it, what's even worse is when Roman admits to it, which is totally an SEC violation and like really not. No, it's cool. a negotiating tactic. But it's it's but you can feel where Roman is coming from. I feel like all of us are cheering Roman on when he's telling off this guy because partly because it's this is his form of grief that he's going through. This is him grieving properly and really think about it. Okay, Logan is gone. He was our main antagonist. Who is stepping up in his place? Maybe you want to say Kendall, but like certainly Matson. Matson is an embodiment of Logan in a way. And Roman getting to tell off a forum of his father is tell like off. Tell, tell off very cathartic right like yeah. he's he's screaming at him all the things that he never got to and never will get to say to his father so no, well, except he kind of did in that final voicemail <laughs> yeah, yeah true we we don't know we don't know and you know what carl and frank will never have to worry because they've got their compression socks on so uh, 
I I, I I laughed for a good two minutes during that. It's very <laughs> funny when Tom is staring at them of like, yeah, they're just putting on the compression socks. <laughs> we'll get to the elders. Like it's very fun. But you know, the yeah, I just think I, I it's yeah, I do I am I, you know, I am maybe still the most worried about Roman because I still feel as much as he 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 we've talked about this a lot that he feels like he's the most invested in the Roy's being together. I think if yeah. anybody who wanted any sort of deal to get done or we don't do a deal, all of it is wrapped up in you know, uh there's a little bit of like Shiv kind of gets screwed if the deal doesn't go through, but um because I talked last episode about how they can't do three CEOs, but it still does feel like I think Roman is the most invested in the, in the Roy sibling relationship working. And I think you make a good point, Jess, that, you know, Logan is, is using language that I think is, is able to, to most convince uh, Roman to come along. I mean, Roman does very quickly just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Let's, well, yeah, okay. All right. Do you want to loop in Shivy? And then, right. and Logan, and then we see uh, Kendall do the exact same thing Matson just did to them, which is tell me how you feel about it first, though, before mm -hmm. we loop in and tell me how you feel. You like it, don't you? I know you like it. He's been doing the same tactics and he, yeah. he learns. Kendall's a very fast learner. He picks up on things very quickly. And he is, we've talked about this a lot, Mike, about how Kendall takes that top dog mentality. He sees a weaker dog in Roman and he pounces. He knows that Roman is a bit more uh, like kind of easier to manipulate and goes more with his emotions, especially right now. And especially when it comes to Logan, I don't know if this was just me. I'm looking too much into stuff because I'm, I'm doing a lot of yellow jackets and I have just like magnifying glasses out mm -hmm. all the time. But when Roman arrived at in Norway, he's wearing a blue sweater that looks awfully a lot like Logan's sweater that was hanging on the back of the chair last episode. Someone Ooh. in the chat talked about him uh, calling um, a ship pinky. Like he's yeah. doing a lot of he, I, it does feel like he's becoming the most Logan-y of them all. Oh, this is, I'm saying Roman is wearing a sweater close to Logan. Oh, sorry. Oh, interesting. Like more of like a keeping dad. Well, that's so he has a smell. Of emotional. Yeah, exactly. Um, But no, I he should have worn Logan. the kilt if he wanted to be fully embodying Logan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, so I think that that's the, the Kendall Roman stuff is very fun. And I, yeah, I'm on full, like, I don't think this, you know, I feel the most, I feel like Roman is going to be the most hurt by everything because last episode we had the, the new, the, you know, the Hugo new of like go freelance, write the stuff. We see right. that it happened this episode. What, you know, I want to talk about Shiv and Matson and this relationship that develops over the course of this episode where Matson says, I, I like you. You're cool. Uh, you don't, you're not judgy. Uh, he, they have the late night meeting. I think someone asked earlier if we see Shiv drinking, she has a drink in her hand and she has offered drugs. And I audibly said, Oh no, 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 don't do that. She doesn't seem to do it. She just like, she just Takes touches it. them and looks around and she doesn't act. I, we don't actually see her do either of those things. I think that she's having a drink so people don't know she's pregnant, but that she's not actually drinking. So she can do um, the thing where she cl closes her lips and pull, you know, like I hope so. I was nervous initially when she has that oddball scene with with Tom when she's like, people who have Molly or on Molly have their pupils dilated and your shoes are <laughs> shining like the sun. I'm like, wait, did you do Molly with Matson? Yeah. And with them? 
Yeah. So, but they developed this relationship, and obviously, by the end of it, uh, you know, he does take Shiv's advice, which is essentially just offer more money, and you'll get the deal done. By the end of the 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 episode, obviously, he's offered one ninety two with ATN included, and then he calls Shiv as, "Are you with your brother?" She says yes, and he asks to take a picture of them, and she gives this little grin. I do feel like this is I I was maybe I I think that the on the you know now looking back this totally makes sense she's the one who's the most boxed out and for her to be able to make this move i hate that it's with Matson because yep. you know we see she he makes the joke about uh iba uh, about that she's like she's estrogen in the room to keep them on their best behavior or whatever um so this is like awful i hate it so much but also the the way that the show works you're also like shiv making a move pretty cool pretty cool for shiv to make yeah. a move yeah. Jess. <laughs> no it is because and she she's too again a lot of these characters underestimate one another. I think Kendall really underestimated Shiv's ability to suss out that he's behind a lot of this, right? He's behind the bad dad news uh, when it leaks that like there's something going on there, right? Like something from the call is coming from inside the house um, mm -hmm. that all this press is reporting that no one's getting along. The vibes are bad, man. She knows that like Kendall is not a very good actor, she knows it's him. So why is she not going to get a little piece of what's hers, basically? You can't really blame her. I also think in her mind, she's like, I'm helping the deal go through. Now, that might be, I'm maybe giving her a bit of a benefit of the doubt, yeah. at least at the start, that she's that's what her intention is. Yeah. Mm. Um, Mike, my, my read is mostly that this, when Shiv realizes that she sort of has Matson's ear, and she talks about, she actually says very quickly, she goes, she knows that ATN, there's the Sid and Mencken stuff. So this is also yeah, something I think that, it's mostly. Mencken essentially has a seat in the room of like their Monday morning editorials, which is no bueno. Yeah. And so I, but what I, the, the, the sort of feeling I got is that Shiv sees this as the way that she can basically do what Logan did, but with like run Waystar, but within Gojo, if she has Matson's ear, is the feeling that I sort of got is hmm. this is her uh, way of maybe being in charge. I mean, mm -hmm. she'll never run the full company if we get Waystar Gojo or Waygo or whatever it ends up becoming. Star Joe? Star Joe. Oh, it's like but Star that, Joe. <laughs> but that she could be very high up in this new thing that Matson is building. Yeah. Uh, we mm. get like no indication of that, but it's like, you know, she's like seeing that she can sort of like, Matson. Ha she has Matson's ear. Yeah, uh, well, she has such big ear lobes, so I think it makes sense. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, she's, she's going to say earlier in the episode, right, when Matson comes in and is like, oh, my God, you brought all these people? What are you trying to do, dude? Freeze me out? Speaking of freezing, let me tell you what I've got in the blood freezer. Anyway, come sidebar with me, guys. And she says, F him and his dude bluff. Yeah. I think she is realizing that there is another way to get to him. The dangerous side of that is quite literally the sense of the word. I talked about this actually when I did guest on your rewatch during too many slash much birthdays uh, that, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, I'm kind of surprised that Alexander Skarsgård is playing this character. I feel like this is not necessarily someone that he would embody. Uh, that changed as of this episode. This dude is flat psychotic. Uh, I think even a step beyond kind of like the mogul stuff that they seem to be going for last season with like almost the Zuckerbergy type of mm -hmm. thing we've gone more elon than zuckerbergy in my opinion and i'm talking about like elon stuff that like people on 4chan are alleging that he does in terms of the blood bricks that this is somebody who can in the sake of quote good humor and also just establishing himself as a powerful figure 
can like essentially do whatever he wants from an abuse perspective. And Shiv at least feels in this moment, this is something I have to get through if I want to get what I want. So as we were saying before, like I am very happy that Shiv was able to do this, that Mm -hmm. she was able to get to Matt's in her own way after Kendall and Roman throughout season three, both had their own individual moments of being like, I'm the one to get to Madsen, whether it was Roman in the bathroom, like I said before, or earlier this season with Kendall FaceTiming Madsen during Connor's bachelor party. Now it's Shiv's turn. The unfortunate thing with Shiv is that she is the one who is, you know, the most successful with Madsen. For now, this dude seems absolutely flippant. You can't, you cannot trust that he's going to stay on your side. And to me, and I could be totally wrong about this, Grace, like it is something I want to discuss because I think it's where I'm a little bit most confused about people's motives and like why they're making the moves they are. But um, I I do truly feel like Shiv meets her boundary ends at Minkin. Like she will not cross that line. Mm -hmm. And so when she finds out that he is sitting at these tables at ATN, I feel like that is that is enough for her to hear. I'm done. I'm out. Like whatever you all have going on. I don't want any part of it because this is bad news, like literally bad news. Now, my question is the whole Tom situation, because we can kind of shift over. It's a little confusing to me. Now, she, her and Tom are both there. He hears when the brothers offer to get rid of him, basically. They're like, do you want us to get rid of him? Are you unhappy? She kind of brushes it off and like doesn't really say anything to me, Grace. She's keeping her options open in terms of. I'm literally having his baby. Like maybe that's not the move for me to make right now, but where I get confused, that was very obvious to me. He hears it all. She knows he knows in the friend situation. And uh, then the whole thing where like with the dirt on the shoes, right? She's kicking dirt on top of his shoes. He's getting annoyed. He flicks her in the earlobe, tells her they're like barnacles and they're chewy. And he asks how her time with Lucas was. So like, He knows that she was alone with Lucas. He obviously seems like bothered by that, maybe jealous, whatever. Now, is this just Grace? Is she gloating and kind of feeling herself in the end when it is her and Tom and she's like, you want to get dinner? Right? Like, it's like a little, it's a little, a little forward. She's like, she's like, oh, I hear Sid's the one who's been talking to Minkin. I think we need to get rid of Sid. I think, you know, you want to let her know? Like, it's very, like, she's like flirting with him businessy wise, I guess. I mean, even the like, and this is awful that this is the way society works, but the like, you know, dirt on your, your white, your perfectly white sneakers and your earlobes to me gets off the vibe of like, teasing and then people are like oh but they're they like you you know like there's a little oh, bit of yeah. that to it as well i think Tom i mean her dirty become talk. like the most perverse version of his take on mr darcy in the kieran knightley pride and prejudice that i've ever seen between like the silk scene from last episode and him being like i love your i love your earlobes and her chewy earlobes yeah <laughs> yeah it's just it's so odd i think to me that last scene was like a grasp at power and her despite the fact and perhaps of the fact that she can't drink being a bit like drunk on power i'm gonna celebrate yeah, yeah like and, and, i'm gonna throw my weight around a bit yeah and then being like and also i think also being a little uh snaky with like the hey i just saved your job so why don't you get dinner with me and we you know obviously don't hear his answer to that because she ends up getting a uh getting a phone call but it just continues to further tangle this like unsolvable knot that is this relationship or as shiv pointed out before like I broke his heart, then he broke my heart, but they clearly have some connection to each other, even outside of the business sense that just like keeps drawing them together. Sometimes it is the proximity of sharing the same plane, but sometimes it's this idea of like, 
no matter what conversations always going to come back to them. You know, there's a moment mm-hmm. where the the Swedes are talking in their own language, like laughing at, you know, probably how inbred the leadership of Waystar Royco is. And Tom laughs along, but like he is technically literally in bed with them as well. He can't count himself as part of the suits. Instead, that's been the role that he's been playing as this fence sitter Tommy. Uh, and so I, I do think it's interesting that she, and this is also perhaps her picking up, where Logan left off. Tom felt so devastated with the loss of Logan. That call he gives Greg, right? Of like, my one protector, the one person I sold my soul to is now gone. What does this mean for me? Shiv has been the only one so far to guarantee his safety. And I think a bit like Matson, she may able be able to use that power position to leverage something she wants in that particular moment. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that the Mencken stuff for me, it it's used um, for a few reasons. Like this, why this this thing comes up that Mencken has underlined uh, to ATN, and it's through Sid. Is I don't believe when Roman says, "Did you know about this?" and when he says, basically, like, "No, I didn't know." I don't believe it. he looks like he's very much lying. So I feel like part of this is to show how out of the loop Shiv is, because this yeah. comes up as they're basically saying he, like, the news that he wants the whole thing, and she's yeah. kind of like, "Whatever, sell the whole thing," because I think in this moment she's annoyed that clearly she's out of the loop. She was supposed to be in looped in yeah. on everything. And and she's clearly not. So she's so that's why I think it comes up. And also, but also interestingly, when Tom approaches um, Shiv, it does seem like the rumor is that uh, Yemenes might is that the read that he might be dancing across the Delaware. I am I'm Canadian, but I <laughs> took that to mean that Yemenes <laughs> might be leading in the polls the day before the election. So I don't think that's like confirmation that Yemenes is going to win. Still feels like it could be Mencken. They talk about that like the election is coming up and there's a whole transition and all of this stuff. But um, so there's there's that and then yes she gets this moment with Matson where he does exactly what she says right she's like is like don't fire eba you know uh you, you know yeah retain carolina one. she's a good pick yep do she right. says oh we can loop in jerry on how best to work through this yeah. like all the names she says are the names he retains on that are That's not right. on the kill yep. list and and what what is the the purpose that tom serves that Shiv has always enjoyed the most, which is that he will His do anything. He, <laughs> <laughs> he will do anything for Shiv. He would like that, like he's like a dog, right? That's like what yeah. I feel like for yeah. so much of the first is that he's like he's in love with her. She's not in love with him, but because she and she can use that. And I feel like when she like gets that from Madsen, it like kind of fires her up in the way of like remember what i had with tom can i get that again and i feel like she's just like riding the high they're also in an airplane Mm -hmm. but she's riding the high of of getting this this win off of madsen and and it's the way that like that's how she operated with tom almost the way that she's operated here with madsen and maybe wants something that's more secure than a man who sends uh leaders of blood to their exes uh and it's like tom you want to grab dinner maybe we should grab dinner (laughs) Yeah, I, it, 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 it's just so interesting because mm-hmm. now when Tom gets involved in all this, plus the ATN stuff as well, right? Because Matson has a plan for ATN too. He wants to fat pipe it, I think is the term, right? He wants to- He like, wants to Ikea the F out of it. Yeah, he wants to absolutely gut it. He says that, you know, 
old people angrily shaking their fist at propaganda statements are the old mm. ways. We want to bring in the new stuff. And it's interesting because it's like not too dissimilar than the way I think like Kendall was talking about it. I mean, listen, are any of us out there who watch Succession completely surprised that the siblings pretty much cut bait with the entire like, well, we'll combine Pierce with ATN and then move forward with it idea that they were just like, yeah, we made that deal in episode one, but like money's money. We don't really care about that at the end of the day. It was just a way to get back at our dad. Uh, but the idea of like what he's going to do with it. I mean, Shiv, I think, has uh, very much shown her political colors, at least in that first season. That was a major talking point. And so it seems like, especially with recent news, she would be more than happy to just cut bait with it, completely gut it, and then maybe rebuild it no matter what it may look like. Well, Matson says he wants it to be Bloomberg. You know, uh, simple, cheap, and huge, I think, are the words he describes. Yes. It's like, hey, you could think that Shiv might be able to do that, turn, yeah. turn ETN into something else. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think that's ideally what she would want to do. What I do think is interesting as well, going back to the Roman of it all, is with that, uh, that Mencken stuff, right? Like, Roman seems to be the one to shrug it off the most, and I believe it's Shiv who replies, like, even Dad had a line. Yeah. 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 She and this is this is something she's been saying these past couple seasons, right? When she met Minkin, she's like, absolutely not. Like, we're we're not we're not doing the fascist thing. No, not even a little bit. Um, and so she's. I feel like that was the moment to me that she was completely out. Um, but I think we need to shift and talk about Tom and Greg because yeah. mm. their dynamic felt remarkably different this episode, where we have Tom saying. Hey, buddy, I'm uh, my friend Gregory the Eggery. I'm gonna need you to be my punch bag once says, more. I'm, a little I, greglet. He says, "I'm Greg, Ori Hirsch, Gregory yeah. Hirsch." Gregory Hirsch. <laughs> um, and he wants him to be a little punching bag for him again. And I feel like we're seeing Greg be Greg, as Greg has always been a cockroach going where the power is. And he like tries to stand up to Tom a little bit in front of Matson. And then, of course, later we know. He uh he goes he wants to be a part of the quad squad and he leaks to reporters that the vibe is off and that people aren't getting along for Kendall so he's back under Kendall's wing again just like further proving that Greg is the cockroach cockroach that survives and if Tom is not the one with power he's not going to stay with Tom even if Tom is the one who got him here in the first place uh, he has no loyalties to Tom. Yeah, I thought this episode was really interesting because Greg, there's a, a few ways in which, like, once again, I mean, he kind of knows his place, but there, I, I'm trying to pull up my notes on the scene with Tom when he just, I mean, Tom is, or Greg is able to get quite the amount of information. He's like, there's definitely a kill list, eight well, to nine names. He it's always evolved. has. The, the assistants talk to each other, right? He talks about the slack back at the end of the season. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's almost like an upstairs, downstairs situation. If you want to hear the hot goss around the house, just like go into the kitchen and listen to the staff talk about yeah. it. So I think it makes sense that like he would do this. And at least in this moment, is still willing to play this role with Tom. I do agree that the dynamic still, is, yeah. the dynamic starting to change where like Greg is really elbowing his way into the core three in my opinion, uh, which Connor probably has some consternation about. Where Last episode, right, like he was the one that came in when they were grieving. He was like, I'm so sorry. I just feel like we should be here together as a family. This episode, he's coming up with all of these nicknames. Like, I don't know if it's that Kendall and Roman are now co-CEOs or to your point, if he's seeing Tom as a possible sinking ship. But like, he is really in a different way than Matson pumping this bloodline and saying like, well, I am a relative. So therefore I have to be kept around. I guess he's looking back to that question mark of it all. Well, Tom, Tom says this directly to Greg that I'm not worried about Matson because ATN is going to get carved out. 
So I'm worried about the siblings like cutting him. But then it changes when it learns that like ATN might be part of the deal. But the thing about the conversation when Greg tells him about the kill list is that he says, I'm going in, I need profile. But if I need a blood sacrifice, I'll give you the eyes. So Tom goes to get a beer and then he sits down with the group. And there is a moment and it, it does seem like maybe Greg interjects a little without getting a signal from Tom, but Tom is being asked questions about France, and then Greg comes in to talk about uh, the, Tom, the Tom, does, Tom does turn around and look at Greg. Yeah, okay. he looks directly at signal. him. So he pulls him, and I know that Greg gets a little bit like, you know, the, the, I mean, the Matson and the Swedes go real hard at all, like all of them. Oh, like and real, everybody. It's like, yeah, it's really like, are you all, you know, related and then talking in, in Swedish? Um, but I mean, Tom basically says to Greg, like, I'm going to need a blood sacrifice. Like if I need to like, you know, and essentially this is the role that Greg has always mm -hmm. played for Tom, mm -hmm. which is I, if, if I find that I'm being punched at, I need somebody who we can punch yep. to instead. So I'm going to pull you in. And I just feel like at some point it does make sense that like, even in this moment, Greg gets a little bit flustered because they're talking about like, Oh my God, it's another, like, it's another family member. Like how did you know this happened? And Greg kind of like the way he, I always feel like he thinks, oh, I'll be the punching bag, but I can, like, you know, I'm able to avoid it a little bit. Like, Greg thinks well, he's or, a, or, like, or him just yeah. say, like, the just you wait. You know, right. when I'm standing all above you and you're mm -hmm. licking my boots, you will rue the day. What's interesting in that scene as well is who speaks up for him? Again, perhaps showing the changing allegiances, but Kendall. Yeah. yeah. And going and back. And Greg thanks him. Yeah, yeah. And going back to the beginning of season three, I mean, one of the reasons why Greg initially does work with Kendall, right, is because he tells Tom, like, I can't sit in front of any more judiciary committee meetings, you know, like I'm too I, young to go to Congress again. Yeah. I can't, I can't keep taking bullets for you. And so that he will eventually get swayed back, of course, by the UN of it all and like the withholding of money. And so he inevitably has to go for the bottom line there. But I do wonder again, if money wasn't an issue, if like, this is who he consistently wanted to associate himself with. And if indeed Kendall is the new Logan, considering how much this dude was a barnacle himself, on the ship of Logan Roy up through his death that, you know, he's just going to keep on sucking. Can I just, can I just say, I wrote down these, which is when they're talking about France, Greg says, I read from an article in the economist in terms of education and quality of life. Don't, don't bet against the old lady, France, the old baguette. When Matson asks who he is, he says, therein hangs a tale. Greg, <laughs> Ori, Gregory Hirsch. Yeah. He also <laughs> says the baguette might be mightier than the bagel. Right. <laughs> Which is such a thing to say. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, it's it very much feels like Greg's uh, sail is blowing in a different direction, right? The wind has changed and he is going to change with it and go where it blows. And uh, sucks for Tom, I guess. Like, He's been with Ken before and Ken burned him so hard. It's like, yeah. There's no safe haven for one Gregory Hirsch. It's just not going to happen. But he yeah. thinks there is and he thinks he's grown right he there is this confidence about greg that oh. wasn't there before well considering yeah. that he's you know throwing around some not so nice names about the women of norway before getting on the oh, plane yeah. and, I, and i love how much that gets shut down I, it's a little oddly prescient given you know the stuff that has come out about nicholas braun outside of the show when you like look at him referring to like the arctic foxes you're like I how true to life was Jesse well, Armstrong I, writing this? Yeah, it does feel like a little bit since that stuff and the allegations have come out that it does feel like he gets really like, sh like, I feel like there was, uh, like, even when he was being insulted, it, you felt bad for him. And there's a way in which like, it might just be the progression of the show that the more he's worked his way up, the less you like can empathize with him. And when he kind of says bad, it's not because he's trying to fit in. It's because he's just might be a bad mm -hmm. person, but there definitely has been a real, like there's a joke that like uh Carrie throws his way about like, yeah, you've already, like, can I have, he wants five minutes and 
she shuts him down and, and mm-hmm. yeah this he gets shut that when he's like insulting women he often gets like come on bro come on <laughs> you know so yeah very interesting. He's, he's doing it around like people like frank and carl i like and like like hugo like a weird crowd to be I mean, well yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they care more about compression socks than knocking boots. Well, yes, that's right. Except uh, just for Carl, to... who's uh, the yes. only reason his hand would be clean is if uh, his uh, right. brothel has a manicurist. Yes. Sorry to interrupt you. I, mean, I was going to say it's a good segue into the crew, who I do feel like this season, I feel like there are good Tom and Greg scenes, but I feel like they are really, they have found some comedy gold in Frank, Carl, sometimes Jerry, I could not Hugo. agree more. Yeah. Uh, it's I, really I... where they've shifted their comedic lens i think uh, not that i feel like all the writing is funny like almost all the time but these scenes are like entirely when frank and carl are sitting out of the sauna and be like yeah i'm not you know peeking poor peeking duck in there you know it's yeah. very funny i want like a grumpy old man spinoff yeah these two actors i completely agree again my like blitz through succession's first three seasons i definitely had feelings about frank though it was more so affi- affiliated with like the first season attempted takeover of it all and him warming right. his way back into the company but I sort of had nothing feelings about Carl outside of those spare comments that Jess was making about him being like a sexual deviant. I was like, oh, Carl's just there. Uh, Carl might be my favorite character now. <laughs> I think between like the him using, uh, I forget what he says in response in episode one of this season, right? Of just like the weird Southern aphorism he uses between like uh, the reference to Chuckles the Clown with Carrie consistently smiling <laughs> in episode three. Like Carl's an absolute goldmine of comedy, in my opinion. I really do hope that he is able to, you know, he's able to survive this season so he can get away to that Greek island with his brother-in-law because essentially he's been cut loose. And what's interesting is, you know, as they're going through the kill list at the end of the episode, obviously there is a lot of outrage from people like Hugo, like the Hugo. One, like one of the boar that on the floor guys. Son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> which is incredible, right? Hugo trying to one-up an Olympic athlete by being like, well, you didn't get a medal, though. Uh, And then Frank and Carl, it seems like Myrie was like fairly tepid responses. And I think maybe their reaction is that like, yes, last week was a bit of them scrambling to try to get some sort of jockeying of power Mm -hmm. in the wake of Logan's vacancy to the throne. But when that's denied, to me, they're just kind of like, retirees or senior senioritis they're on their way out they do have senioritis right they're minutes away from retirement they just want to get the most amount of money they possibly can out of this deal and be done with it whereas people like jerry it does seem like she wants to stick around i do love her saying Mm -hmm. like listen we're older they have too many vacation days (laughs) they're gonna be so relaxed we've been exposed by a pathogen that goes by the name of logan roy and i was like jerry girl i love her she is like she really is out for blood it feels like over your franks and your carls who are more like let the young dogs fight. I'm going to sit back, you know, put on my compression socks and go on my PJ. I do wonder though, like how much of that is due to the absence of Logan. You know, Frank says this kind of heartbreaking line in episode three, where he's like, he was my friend of however many years. And I do wonder if Mm -hmm. part of the reason why they were in it was besides the golden parachute for like the Logan Roy of it all. He's an irascible son of a bitch, but like I enjoy his presence and he seems to at least enjoy mine sometimes. And so when Logan's gone, they're sort of like, is it worth doing this anymore to jumping through all these hoops? To your point, Jess, like uh, it's become boomers versus zoomers, not even within Waystar Royco, but like with this other Scandinavian side of things. That certainly was the big storyline coming in here as well, right? Is like Gojo is known for like just absolutely gutting companies that they acquire. 
how much were they fearing it was happening? And I love these sort of bizarro Seinfeld way that kind of approached everyone looking at their compatriots mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to eyeball jockey for power as to like why I'm better than you. And, you know, why is, is could this person possibly be my replacement? It's got to be a weird feeling, I think, for, as you said, some of the more seasoned members of the company to like look in the eyes of someone should this deal go through that essentially will be their replacement it wasn't just that it's also that like all of these little things were like a test that they go they're invited to brunch and then <laughs> the guy is like save up some for the rest of us implying that like hugo's gonna get fired because he took too much food at brunch. yeah you're fattening him up for, he's they're fattening you up for the slaughter tom have you says. seen he fisher knows. stevens he's like one heart attack away from being a skeleton he, hanging in a science classroom. I believe he says um, he can eat all that because he has good metabolism because he has excellent drive. <laughs> it's like, uh, his, and his he like his plate is so heaped that he has to like hold things. He drops stuff, I think. As well. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. insane the amount. Yeah, so it's it really is. It's really tough for most of the crew except Carolina, mostly because of the help of Shiv. Honestly, Shiv is really just keeping the women on board. Is, is what it yeah. seems. Um, which is interesting because I talk a lot about in our rewatch podcast about Shiv and Jerry's relationship and how it, that felt very meaningful. And then of course we get, we lean more towards like the Roman and, and Jerry stuff. And then they, they come to odds, they're at odds, uh, when, when the DP is sent, right. Jerry and Shiv really aren't getting along. So I found that pretty interesting that Shiv does say, well, Jerry, Jerry could help you with that, you know, on the lawyer yeah. side of things. Yeah. Um, it's always been so interesting to see, yeah, like Shiv's. Shiv having her gender like be weaponized but also used to her benefit I think of like her going to the star witness on the congressional trials about the whole uh you know the, the touchy uncle storyline and like yeah. how she got brought in for that but then is able to actually use it to her benefit her relationship with uh you know her relationship with the the board of directors and particularly when she gets that that call from uh, Stewie's partner saying like okay let's go into this. I'm talking to you specifically. Like she has some interesting ways and in, like she is able to make these connections with the other women that exist within this circle. Yet at the same time, because in her immediate circle is so fallow centric, she's like pushed out on her own Island. So I think it does make sense. And it shows like maybe her true character and that she is even saying in this moment, essentially handpicking who stays at the company. She is mm -hmm. saying like, no, keep these people around that. Like that is something she will treasure over a lot of other things. Yeah. Let's take some feedback as a reminder. We are live after the episode, postsharecups.com slash YouTube. Make sure you join us live and perhaps we'll take your feedback. Uh, Bram says, Mike, this was the Mike Bloomiest episode of the season so far. I am this, So of this season, I mean, one episode was entirely a, a funeral. Um, we didn't really talk much. Of, is this the Mike Bloomiest episode of the season, Mike? Because um, Willa what, didn't have a basically didn't say anything and you notoriously <laughs> hate Willa. Uh, yes, exactly. That's my favorite episode of the season by default. That's the other thing as well. The the Connor side of things. I am saddened that we missed out on another fantastic Connor Roy eulogy. Though I think unfortunately the comedy would be removed from what he had to do with that aforementioned uncle with Mo Lester. Beforehand. Well, he might still give one. They haven't had the funeral yet. They're doing the arrangements, right? Yeah, and I'm assuming the the siblings would have to be there for the yeah, funeral. Yeah, so we'll right? see the funeral. Oh, so you're saying know. that Connor isn't the one giving the eulogy. Is the I, I, yeah, at least maybe he might not after that brief trial run. But yeah, it's always fun to get like our check-in with Connor that even after that one episode where he's like, you know, I should be brought more into this. I want us all to be together. They're like, okay, Connor, we'll sideline you again for a little bit and like have mm -hmm. you complain to Roman 
on the phone about the fact that Marsha wants to put dad in a kilt. And they're saying, no, we're not dealing with that storyline this episode, Connor. Put that away. Uh, I guess I'm putting that away. I guess like the perverse atmosphere of Gojo and Matson is probably what makes it the Mike Bloomiest episode. I mean, that is like a legitimately creepy thing. Like of this season, so yeah. Uh, but yeah. like that, that's like shades of Jared Leto, right? Like sending <laughs> leaders of your blood. And I love how it got again worse. and again and again. Yeah, the more that's he the thing, just about one it. time. He did it multiple times. And yeah. Shiv just just having the composure to just say, well, for a start, stop sending people your blood. Well, not only that, he froze it into a brick, which makes me imagine the yeah. reason why it was put in such a packaging was for him to hurl it through her window. You don't leave oh a brick God. at someone's front door, right? Maybe I mean, he wanted her to build things out. Can I, can I ask the most important question is, should Eva write a book or should she sue? Because <laughs> 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 These are the important questions. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so we have a couple comments. Uh, uh, Radnick says, uh, they sure do get a lot done in one weekend. I put my laundry away barely. Uh, <laughs> and Nicholas notes that incredible. It only took Kendall and Roman 24 hours of being CEO to commit SEC violations, which as Roman points out, it was just a negotiation tactic. It's not actually, mm-hmm. I think he's, yeah, he, he doesn't think it's an SEC yeah. violation. I, I want to point out the mountaintop scene. I brought this up to the two of you beforehand, but this is maybe just again, like my warp sense of watching TV as well as the HBO Sunday night lineup of it all. There was a non-zero chance to me that three of those guys were not making it off the mountaintop. That, like, there was a chance that one of them would trip and fall off the mountain or, like, one of them would push the other one off the mountain. Uh, We're not all about, like, bloodthirstiness on succession. Most of the deaths that were caused at most with Kendall's circumstance were just, like, purely by coincidence and inaction more than anything. But I I thought there was a hot second when it's, like, the metaphor would be too good, right? Where they're literally on the top of the world. As Batson says, everyone looks tiny from da- from up here, but not us. And then one of them comes tumbling from that post. I thought that was very interesting. Again, to the point that Lucas Matson might be the most Logany of all of them. That literally an episode uh, two, I believe one or two is when he's talking about, uh, I think it's one. Cause it, yeah, it's in one. And he's talking about how he, people are just units, but he, he's a hundred foot tall. Uh, so he's big and people are small. That was really interesting. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't think I was expecting anybody to fall. And I think that's it was like, what a stunning, what a stunning, like I'll f- remember that for, mm-hmm. and then them waiting for the gondola mats and taking his private helicopter down. I thought it was really great as well. Uh, it was really good. The setting was great. Taking, yeah. making them take a gondola like a ski lift to go back and forth. So, like they take yeah. them so many times. They have these gorgeous views and, and Kendall's just like, Ugh, my room is small. Yeah. The fact that they like hate this place is so This funny. is where bears <laughs> go to poop. Yeah. But I, I love how uh, the exchange of dialogue where Matson says like, Oh, sorry for the crappy weather. You should have been here a week ago. And Shiv just says everything was better a week ago. Oh, the writing so is so good here. The writing is so yeah. good. Um, I like this note from uh, Chloe who says, Tom's remarks to Kendall are still standing. He's seen Ken get effed a lot, but not Logan. Despite his efforts to tank the deal, dad's deal still goes through and Logan wins. Uh, he doesn't get ATM. There's a big talk about whether getting ATM yeah, that's not dad's deal. would be dad's deal. But I do like the sentiment that like the, the Kendall and Roman they still can't so do it right. miserable. Well, that's the Ken. thing. Literally, so the 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 elders, right? The entire time are trying before they get up there. Like, do you want to talk it through? Do you want to like run? And they don't. There's no trust that Roman and Kendall do not trust the elders. They don't want to talk to them. They are very nervous, right? We see Roman asks Kendall, "Are you nervous, man?" Goes, "No, he's just a guy." And it's like, "All right, dude. We all know you're nervous." Shiv's not nervous. The I felt like the minute that 
Matson got them to leave Shiv and the old guard behind, they lost. I felt like the minute yeah. he got them alone in a room, it was over. He was going to bully them into submission because he just, he's relentless. Like they're like, oh, we need to talk about it. No, but you like it, right? I know you like it. Tell me you like it. Like it's, it's so much. He's so aggressive and he makes jokes that aren't funny to get you. Like I'll give you one dollar like he i'll gwyneth paltrow you uh yeah it's just the worst it's so interesting because look no further than the very first thing they say in that meeting is them talking over each other and like clearly that's the entire co-ceo effort boiled down to one exchange of lines of like yeah this isn't really gonna work because these two guys are while they're cooperating from this perspective they're on mm-hmm. two separate paths right now. I think they're they're seeing two different versions of this company, especially after this deal. And so, yeah, Matson really had them where they wanted them. These scenes were so tense because, like you said, Jess, the tone was, as Logan will say later on, tightrope walking on a straight razor. Because mm-hmm. in one way, it could be like sort of jokey, fun stuff. And then they'd say like, no, but seriously. And then like lay something out right there. And then the other characters have to react to like these seismic shifts that are happening. I mean, Matson had them where he wanted them. He literally brought them to them. They followed his letter to the law. They were walking in. I think essentially when the plane landed, they were fighting an uphill battle. Ironically yeah. enough, it took them going all the way uphill for them to finally tell them what they wanted and then him to go through with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just one final note here from Robin. What's worse, being a blood sacrifice or receiving frozen blood from an ex? <laughs> I don't know that there's a good answer, Robin. I don't. I don't know. The good <laughs> news about getting frozen blood from an ex is like you have you do a lot of things. You have their I DNA. Mean, as, yeah, as she points out, she has she has a lot of DNA. Yeah, like, it'd be you, hard to deny. Deniability is tough when they have literal oh, DNA. That or like I don't know if you decide to do your own shady dealings, you could plant something at the scene to to finger Matson. if technology advances you could clone Matson if you want to and uh educate a version of him to not be such a creepo depot the possibilities are endless when you have a bunch of frozen blood uh as opposed to the blood sacrifice is more of a one and done type of deal yeah um i'll, I'll do one more i, th- I think um will ask a very impressive question i think we know the answer to which is can pinky dance i think we learned pinky we can saw- dance she can dance she can dance oh, yeah. Yeah, she did. I think I think it's much like in that episode, right? It's a misunderstood type yeah. of dance. From the outset, you're like, what is she doing? He's exercising her demons. Exactly. Sure. And she did in many different ways. I think unfortunately, though, she has exercised demons to open the doorway up for other demons to come in and nestle themselves. <laughs> well, that is season four, episode five uh kill list for us, but we will have a lot more coverage of succession, including from us uh make sure you join us for our live recaps here push recaps.com slash youtube send us in your feedback as you're watching along the tomorrow there'll be a deep dive with myself dr amanda and Lindsay uh wilson should be very exciting the versus pod with latonya and jess this week i'll be chatting with rob from the shenanigans show and jess you'll be hosting the wrap-up show on friday and then it starts all over again. Make sure you're subscribed by visiting posterrecaps.com slash subscribe or searching PSR Succession wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and yeah, uh, give us some ratings and reviews even as we're, that's the halfway point. Of- oh! Yeah. Yeah. I'm in pain. Um, as as Jess pointed out on Twitter today, it's the halfway point for both. I can't even think Yellow about Jackets it. And Succession, which is sad news. Um <sighs> 
but if you you can extend the co- the coverage by listening to us talk about succession and you can get ad free versions at post show re- or patreon.com slash post show recaps um and uh we'll do this again next week i am on twitter at hi from uh, grace jess where can people find you i am at the jess sterling mike bloom hello thank <laughs> you <laughs> <laughs> let's start like over let's start it again at 11 p.m at night yeah <laughs> this was this this yeah. was a delight thank yes. you so much for having me on again succession is like a very recent love of mine and so i i apologize if i uh you know like forgot sandy's name beforehand referred to as stewie's partner or forgot certain events and names it's all well, kind it's of because there's a sandy and a sandy so yeah exactly a lot of sandy's <laughs> Yeah, and maybe that uh, that other Sandy could have been counted as the person who ends an episode with a smile because he'll just have one. Maybe that's the final shot of Succession. <laughs> just focuses on Sandy's semi-comatose body as a smile. Not a lot of people have been uh, predicting S- uh, Sandy with a Y wins the whole thing. So Yeah, you got to watch pick. out. Listen, I've watched enough reality TV that I know you got to watch out for the, the, the Ali Gabler types that's lurking beneath the surface. This is awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. This was a fantastic episode of the show. I'm really looking forward to hearing all the coverage, like especially the deep dive, getting into like the nitty gritty of the three moving pieces over the course of this episode, as just pointed out, I think it's going to be really fun on the rewatch. Uh, if mm-hmm. I'll, I'll plug some things while yeah. I'm here, if you're willing. Sure. Uh, you, well, you mentioned it before. I know Josh Wickler is sadly in absentia. I think he is on the site of uh, the newest film that's coming out, Calispration, starring Xanaplax, the sad <laughs> robot, three-hour-long megalith. I think it's $25 uh, so- million dollar reshoots. Yeah, yeah, that's what he's that's what he's there doing. I hear he's actually playing the sad robot. Uh, so Josh, <laughs> I'm really excited for you. But if you miss his voice, we just started podcasting about a show that Grace mentioned before by the name of Mrs. Davis from the great Damon Lindelof alongside Tara Hernandez. It dropped its first half of the season, essentially, first four episodes on Peacock on Thursday. It is goddamn ridiculous. Uh, I know we talk about the incredible comedy that lies within succession. And Mrs. Davis is funny as well, but in a very different way you talked about the cartoonishness that exists sometimes with tom and greg and frank and carl this show is a flat-out cartoon it is wild but also still contains that damon lindelof mystery box what the hell is going on quality and so we're trying to figure out what the hell is going on myself josh and joe garfine all uh episodes that have been released episodes one through four have podcasts relating to them as we try to puzzle it through so you don't have to though we encourage you to the other major thing I'm doing right now is uh, you probably missed it because you're watching this if you're watching it live, but Barry season four drops its third episode this week. I'm talking about that with Latanya Starks. Had a wild first two episodes last week, and episode three is no different. So we have the HBO lineup covered in more ways than one and even more stuff to come with that to tease with some upcoming coverage as well. You can follow that and all the other shenanigans I do out there on the internet at a amazing we'll be back uh all week well we'll be back next week but all week long you'll some more of us talk about succession uh until next time f off p to the od cast on the weekly about succession so many pots per week see p to the od cast on the weekly about succession podcasting like a pro make some noise